This episode and every episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Ironmonger Brewing. Visit Ironmonger at their taproom in Marietta, Georgia, or online at ironmongerbrewing.com. Open up a tab, grab a seat, and pour a pint. It's time for the Beer Guys Radio Show. You want free beer? Go to the brewery. Dedicated to the art, science, and enjoyment of craft beer. Yo, what's wrong with the beer we got? Now, here are your hosts, Tim Dennis and Brian Hewitt. And welcome to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We are broadcasting live from the Beer Guys Radio Studios. And this week, we're talking to Toppling Goliath Brewing Company. I'm Tim Dennis, and with me as always is my good friend and co-host, Brian Hewitt. Hey, Tim. So joining us today, we have Clark Louie and Mike Sabo. Sorry, that's Sabo. We even asked and clarified with the name. And I still messed it up. So uh, Clark is the president and founder of Toppling Goliath, and Mike is the brewmaster. Of course, that means we're going to talk about award-winning IPAs and big, thick stouts, collaborations, and, of course, KBBS. So Clark and Mike, thanks for joining us. Oh, absolutely. We appreciate having you on. We, We love to talk about beer. You know what we do too. Yeah, that's you know that we actually have. We've mentioned before we have quite a racket going here. We we get to drink great beers and talk to cool people. So not a bad not a bad way to go. We don't brew and we don't have to clean out a mash tun. No, we don't. So you know that's it. It all works out there. You don't know what you're missing there. I know. I do know. I've I have done it. I don't have to do it on the regular, but but we have done it. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us. We uh, we really appreciate it and. You know, looking forward to sipping some of your beers and talking here. But, you know, I'm going to get ahead of, of things here because we were talking off air about morel mushrooms, okay. Brian. And morels are hitting here in Georgia already. I'm seeing the pictures. Absolutely love them. I've never personally hunted, but Mike and Clark, both of you guys do hunt them, and you said they're not quite in season there in Iowa. Is that right? No, not quite yet. Should be should be coming up here in the next few weeks. But we we always like having the beer fresh and ready so that we can take it out in the, in, into the woods with us. Now, what what's the name of the beer? That's it, Does it have morels in it or just inspired by morel hunting? Yeah, it's just inspired by the beer is called Scorpius Morcella. And so at this point, we've been making that beer for probably the past six or seven years. Um, and so we've always been excited about the, the morel mushroom hunt. And so this beer first started... Uh, there was a year that uh, Clark and myself and his brother Sam, we all got together on a on a weekend and we just came up with a brand new beer um, because we wanted to have something fun to take out out into the woods with us. And everything just continued to to grow uh, from that. Actually, like we we even built a a company holiday um, in honor of hunting morels. Oh wow, that's, that's a dedication. great holiday. Yeah. So what does yeah. it what does it take? I, I'm assuming you know places, or do you just kind of you just wander through an area and hope to get lucky? I mean, how I don't have any idea what it takes to actually find morels. Yeah, that's a great question. You're actually you're looking in our part of the country for fresh dead elm trees, um, or dead fresh dead uh, apple trees, and basically you know you start out with the south sides of the hills and then kind of move around season progresses but i wanted to throw out there the name the scorpius marcella name is fun because the scorpius is a southern hemisphere constellation and so all southern hemisphere hops are used and obviously the marcella is a scientific name for the morale mushroom okay see okay did not know that did i know from looking on the i'm in a facebook local facebook group and people are nice enough they'll give you tips 
of where to look and all that, but I'm sure you guys, you don't give away your spots. You know, they'll tell you where to look. They'll tell you what to look for. They'll tell you this. The environment's good. You can post a picture of where you're looking, and they'll say you're on the right track there. (laughs) You're on the right track, but no one gives up their spot. Yeah, we'll have to get out, Brian. We'll have to get out and see if we can hunt some down. I know a steakhouse. Yes. In Atlanta, where we can hunt someday. That's right. We can hunt there. See on the south side of the uh, the steakhouse and see if they're there. Right. Just if not, we go inside and order some. It's it'll work it's out. It's a win win. I'm wondering if they're more common where they're at than they are here, or vice versa. There, you know? I know they're plentiful here. I can just okay. tell from following those groups that if you know if you know where to go, there's people getting huge baskets. You know, big baskets of, of these mushrooms. So it looks, you know, promising. And that when you go out, do you find? A lot. Is it common to get a few or a basketful? Really, it really depends on the the time of the year and the season. And and honestly, we we get a lot, we get pretty scientific about it. Where uh, we'll use GPS on, a, on okay. our phones, and we go to different elevations and uh, uh, different different slopes. And a lot of the stuff I actually learned I learned from Clark, and we just we continue to build off of that. Um, each each and every year because uh, it, it's not one of those things you can always go back to the exact same spot, um, but the fundamentals tend to remain true okay. year to year. I'm curious if there you go. Oh yeah, yeah look at that. Now, All right, you say you go to different elevations and slopes. Now in Iowa, what's that? The difference in ten feet and, and twenty feet or something <laughs> like that, right? <laughs> the top of the corn stalks. That is hilarious. Actually, if you've ever been in North northeast iowa you'll find out it's much different than that with uh, soaring bluffs and uh majestic views deep river valleys and uh just the opposite of what you're thinking actually our, our part of the country is nicknamed little switzerland okay Ooh. you know i didn't even think about it you're starting to get is it the black hills in that area are you starting to get into that area uh no that's uh about two states away but too far uh, away okay yeah it, we're we're close to the mississippi river valley Ah, there. okay. And you know those, so those bluffs are around seven hundred feet bluffs. So, all right. See, I didn't know that. I I grew up in Norfolk, Nebraska, and there, just flat. You know, flat cornfields and that. You know, really no nothing there. And I always just kind of related Iowa to much of the same. Yeah, sorry to hear that. Yeah, well, right. I know. <laughs> before we're off the topic of mushrooms, have you guys ever tried making a beer with mushrooms? I know it's been done or attempted before. I don't know if I've ever had a good execution. Well, by the time it's time to put them in the beer, we already eat them. Have eaten them. Okay. There well, you go. Like, yeah, so. <laughs> I guess the morels, it might might be a little bit of a waste because I'd rather just eat them right. probably. But other forms of mushrooms. Right. We but, appreciate everyone tuning in to Mushroom Guys Radio right, Mushroom this week, Guys. man. Yeah. It what? is a good time. Well, speaking of that, uh, it's, it's time for the Mushrooms of the Week. Too. It is time for the Mushrooms of the Week. And we're going to skip that and go to the Beers of the Week. Okay. Morels are the Mushrooms of the Week. But our beers this week, we're enjoying right now. I'm sipping from Toppling Goliath. They're Dorothy's New World Lager. Uh, good uh, good drinking beer, Brian. Very good. We have on deck for us Toppling Goliath Strawberry Shortcake Fandango. And that is, that's a kettle sour, guys. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. So got us a little strawberry shortcake sour there that I'm sure is going to be good. Brian won from one of our fantastic sponsors, Iron Hill Brewery and Restaurant, uh, Ukrainian Anti-Imperial Stout. I think it's called Resist. Resist, yeah. Yeah, So and proceeds do go. I know it won, they did maybe one day, like everything went to it, and I think they said the remainder of the month a portion, but this is to uh, support Ukraine Yes, uh, in the war efforts. And then from Tactical Brewing Company, Zombie Curb Stomp, Nate? Is that right? Yeah. Zombie Curb Stomp <laughs> Sour. So It's like a tropical... Sour just, some variety. We start off all peaceful sour, yeah. with Dorothy's New World Lager. And by the end, 
zombie curb stops. Yeah, war, war and zombies. All right. It's crazy. Perfect. Well, Brian, what's happening in the news? All right, so it just came out right before we got ready for this show, but it looks like Modern Times apparently is going into court-ordered receivership, which is a way of them uh, avoiding potentially getting liquidated and having an opportunity to sell off the brewery instead of like having it just completely destroyed. So they just announced that like shortly before this, and I didn't have time to jot down too many notes about that. Big player, and we're not talking a little yeah. unknown brewery. These guys are very popular. Uh, you know, we've seen a couple others that, Maybe growth at the wrong time, possibly yeah, for absolutely. modern times. Absolutely, they uh, they grew at exactly the wrong time. They were opening up tap rooms in Portland, Oregon, and all over California. And you know, pandemic hit, and a lot of other things, contractions in sales and whatnot. And it it really uh, really kind of took them out. But the big news this week, prior to that, was the Brewers Association releasing their annual industry report for 2021. The headline, according to Bart Watson, is they're estimating the craft production grew by 8% in 2021, bouncing back from negative 10% in 2020, which increases overall craft beer uh, market share from 12.2% uh, to 13.1%, and the overall beer market grew by 1% in 2021. And uh, so the, one of the big things we look at every year is the, uh, the top 50, and uh, Yingling, Boston Beer, and Sierra Nevada took up the top three spots in that order. Interesting to note that Sweetwater jumped into the top 10 at position number 10, pushing the shoots down to number 11. And Athletic Brewing, their entry into the top 50 is at spot 27. Amazing Non-alcoholic beer, Amazing 27th stuff there, man. largest brewery. So we've got to know Bill Schufelt fairly yeah. well over the years. We Actually, they were young when we first started talking to Bill, and we talked about that. So I dropped an, e an email, just say hi, congratulate him on his success. And, of course, he's stoked, man. They're getting oh, yeah, for sure. mentions in time and making this list. Amazing stuff for a non-alcoholic brewery. Absolutely. Yeah, you are listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We do need to take a break, but we will be right back with more from Toppling Goliath. Have you ever thought about owning your own brewery but don't know what it takes to get one built? We're Storytime Construction, and we build breweries. We're Georgia's most experienced and hands-on contractors when it comes to building new breweries and tap rooms or expanding existing breweries. We offer full build-outs, remodeling, and additions, as well as consulting and construction management. Give us a call at 770-733-4343. Storytime Construction. We build breweries. The most award-winning brewery east of the Mississippi has come to Atlanta. Iron Hill Brewery and Restaurant is now serving in Dunwoody at Perimeter Mall and in Buckhead on Peachtree near Phipps Plaza. Serving a variety of menu items from a completely scratch kitchen plus craft beer brewed 10 feet from your table. You have to try their cheesesteak egg rolls paired with a signature craft beer. Iron Hill Brewery and Restaurant, serving Atlanta in Buckhead and Dunwoody. Drop in today or make a reservation or place a pickup or delivery order at ironhillbrewery.com. Follow the Beer Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Next Friday is Hawaiian Shirt Day. So, you know, if you want to, go ahead and uh, wear a Hawaiian shirt and jeans. Now, back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Remember, all episodes are available on demand. So if you missed the broadcast, get the podcast. Beer Guys Radio is available on the Podcast Park and all popular and unpopular podcasting apps. Now let's get back to Toppling Goliath Brewing Company. 
Clark, I'm going to ask you questions. I'm sure you have been asked every single time you've done an interview, but we want to hear it as well. How did Toppling Goliath come to be? Oh, that's a fantastic question. So I started uh, messing around with home brewing, and and I was okay at it, pretty good at it, and was looking also to start a hobby business at the time. My youngest child was about to uh, was getting close to going off to college and have a lot of energy, so. You know, I opened up a little microbrewery in Decora. We had, we, Decora really needed one. And, you know, I, I did okay at making good beer. And a little, a little while into uh, the project, Mike came along and now we make great beer. So, so it was pretty fantastic. And the company, you know, it was a hobby business. So I started it very small and it really gave both him and I a chance to see how to really organically grow a brewery from a little, little tap room in northeast Iowa to a 10 barrel system a 30 barrel system and now he's brewing on a 100 barrel Steinecker. Wow okay nice it's a lot of beer yeah it is so uh Clark are you involved on a day-to-day basis with the brewing or is does Mike do a lot of it okay cool all right I am you know we have a as of today we have 165 teammates you know so basically there's 13 departments in the brewery you know we have an we have a complete executive side but, you know, primarily we both love to be hands-on in operations, um, especially Mike more so than me. And then, you know, as the president and CEO, my two main jobs are to plan for the future and cut costs. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, for those that may not visualize what a barrel of beer is or 100 barrels of beer, four or five batches for you would exceed the annual production of some small taproom breweries. You know, that uh, you hear you hear a few that, how many barrels you produced last year? Three fifty, you know, yeah. four hundred of that. So, <laughs> a good week's worth of brew there, and they're they're a, a nano brewery. Yeah, exactly. It's a week week to be a nano brewery. So, you know, you you guys started off pretty small, as you were saying. So, when did you realize? When did you realize you you kind of really hit it big? Like you weren't just successful because that success comes to a lot of people, but you hit something even beyond that success. Because I'm thinking there was a point. Because I know from my past, the, like I had never heard of you guys, and then suddenly I heard about you everywhere. And I don't remember when that was. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'll I'll start, let Mike finish. But we were starting to get some notoriety on our 10-barrel system. And Mike created a new beer, um, Pseudo Sue. And we are already making some great, fantastic, hoppy beers and really, really coming into our own. And Mike created that beer. And that just caught everyone off guard. It was so fantastic. And, you know, at the time and still, luckily, and I hope it's, Days this way, the whole country developed a slobbering love affair with the Citra hop. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's really he presents the hop perfectly to that beer. Yeah, I mean, so it was really we started to introduce, say, Pseudo Sue and another one of our popular beers, Morning Delight, which is a maple and coffee imperial stout. Um, we shared those with the world in 2011, but kind of the tipping point where things started to just really gravitationally pull us and have us realize that things were changing really wasn't until um, actually it was basically June 1st of 2013. And the reason, the reason I remember that day is that is the first release day that we did of bottles of Kentucky brunch. So it really took several years of just a little bit of momentum building just a little and a little bit more. And then it was at that point where I would say that it, it took a very significant shift. Um, for us, it felt like we had turned a corner. 
You know, we've seen that with a few breweries, and a couple things I've noticed here, which you guys did extremely well with it. I've seen brewers strike gold or strike lightning, however you want to put it. Yeah. But not follow up on it. You know, when you have that spark that really gets you noticed and see to, to keep that moving forward is not always an easy thing to do. So was there anything you did after that spark to make sure you kept it moving or just keep doing what you're doing? Really just, just keeping our nose to the grindstone um, because, you know, we, we'd already spent so many, so many of those years feeling like we were, we were putting something out there for people that uh, it was a true representation of our energy and our passion. And it was starting to resonate with people, but like even once it did catch on um, to change and do less with any of those things just wouldn't have been natural for us. So we, we just stayed, we just stayed our own course and just cared more and more uh, about honing our craft and, and perfecting our, our beer um, with every subsequent batch, everything we could possibly do. You know, I have not, I don't think I've had Morning Delight or KBBS yet. Have you had either of those, Brian? I think I had Morning Delight. Okay. Uh, KBBS is a little little hard to come by. <laughs> we were down at uh, Hunapu's Day a few years ago, and I believe you, I don't remember which one it was you were pouring there, but there was a line 1,400 people long to get it, and I, I believe it was gone before I got the chance to get there, but uh you know, there's definitely when you have people just lining up just to get a, a taste of your beer, it's a pretty cool thing, right? Yeah, yeah. It is. And I mean, so when we before we even got into uh brewing ourselves professionally, uh, we were the people that were in those lines as well. Yeah, right. And so we still we still resonate with, with those people. And so when we peop, when we see people in in those lines, yes, we do tend to have long lines for some of our special beers, but we try to facilitate those lines as quickly as we can and we also like to have fun in the line where we'll pull out special bottles so while people are waiting in line for our beer we like to pour them special bottles while they wait line beers i knew I keep, brian was gonna brian loves the talking line about beer. line, beers. line people beer. gotta do it and and my thought was and i like what you're doing a lot i mean that's preferable to my thought my thought is there'd be somebody that walks up and down the line and if you give them a a quick fiver, they give you their drinking beer while you're in line waiting for that special beer. That's Brian what you has need. a lot of thoughts on beer. And yeah. <laughs> as we were stuck in Atlanta traffic this weekend, he had the idea of the traffic beer, not one of his best. <laughs> but, you know, he's like, you're stuck. You're not going anywhere. If you got to sit here. You might as well have a traffic beer. It's like, we're not really moving. The fact that it's totally illegal doesn't, you know, well, whatever. You know, whatever. Just, we're just spitballing here. It's just not necessarily legal. Just, so. We're yeah. just thinking out loud. Thinking out loud. So I think you... And that might have been, we may have been there when they did, you did a collaboration with uh, Cigar City, didn't you? Or, or maybe several? Is that right? Or am I mis misremembering something? We did, a, we did a group collaboration with them at one of the Huna days. Mm -hmm. you know, it, it was a lot of us breweries were involved. I did try that one. I had okay. a brewer buddy. Scott Hadeen shared that one with us. That's right. It's the That's label right. had like all the brewery names on it wrapped yep. around with it. Yeah. So I did get, we did get to try that one. Yeah. I, I don't actually remember yeah. what kind of beer it was, but I do remember that. Fun. Yeah. Scott just broke it out one time. When we were it's like, out. Oh, Hey it's guys, time you want to try this? <laughs> yeah. Now guys, we were talking about growth and, and being successful in that you've won some really excellent awards recently. Uh, us beer open. You were the grand national champions in 2021. Is that correct? It is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think number two in the world by beer advocate. That's uh that's pretty pretty heavy that's pretty duty substantial. stuff. And that's just a few of them. 
Really? Right. That's just that these are just the ones we found, you know, there off the top. Does one of these kind of accolades, what does that mean for a brewery? Do, does it mean something for a brewery? Well, I, I think it does. It, it puts you on the map, but also, you know, we, it, it keeps us pretty hum, humble because we know what that means is we got more work to do. We got to go to work. We, we got to make sure that not only doesn't the beer head south, but we, we want to work and make sure we continually try to improve it. Mike, you don't just, when you see, oh, we're, yeah, we're the best in the world. I can just kick back now. Yeah. <laughs> Take your recliner up on the brew recliner deck time. and just kick back. <laughs> it, it's all, it's always funny to, to hear those things like that, but that's, that's just totally, totally not us or, yeah. or the, or the rest of our team. Um, we, we have so much fun with it, uh, because we, we love hearing, uh, other people's stories about being able to travel and visit us, or they've shared a, a special beer that we've made or, or things like that. Um, and so all, all that does is continue to, to re-energize us. So, yes. um, yeah, we, just a different mindset. Absolutely. Good stuff. Awesome. We need to take a break. You're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show, but we will be back very soon with more from Toppling Goliath. Have you visited Ironmonger Brewing recently? Take a trip and see the newly renovated and spacious tap room or enjoy the outdoors in their new beer garden with plenty of seating and shade to ease that summer sun. Ironmonger's tap room has a variety of craft beer and hard seltzer on tap with wine and spirits coming soon. Ready for a bit of adventure? Try out axe throwing with Ironmonger's 16 target range. It's a perfect spot for some quick fun or to host your next party or corporate event. So grab your friends and have some fun today at Ironmonger Brewing. Brian and Tim, the beer guys. If you're like us, no lunch or dinner is complete without a pint or two of craft beer. Which is why Truck and Tap in downtown Woodstock, Alpharetta, and Duluth are always on our list. Tim, why do they call it Truck and Tap? Well, the tap part is easy, Brian. They've got 18 of them. As for the truck part, that's where it gets interesting. Truck and Tap features your favorite Atlanta area food trucks, so you're getting a different menu every day. Truck and Tap in downtown Woodstock, Alpharetta, and Duluth. Truckandtap.com. Let them know that the beer guys sent you. the beer guys on facebook twitter and instagram what now back to the beer guys radio show welcome back to the beer guys radio show i want to give a quick shout out to one of our great radio affiliates kqam the big talker 1480 am and 102.5 fm in wichita kansas catch beer guys radio on kqam the big talker every saturday at 9 p.m now let's get back to toppling goliath brewing company mike we just opened another beer here and we have your strawberry shortcake fandango. And one thing we've noticed drinking beers with strawberries in them, it's not easy to get a good strawberry flavor out of that. This one packs a wallet. You get the the cake, you get the cream, you get the strawberries and everything. Um, what do you do to make that strawberry pop like that? It takes a lot of strawberry to be able to pull pull that type of strawberry character off. It's one, it's one of the reasons it uh, took us so long to be able to finally release something beer like that is uh, strawberry beers were just always so tricky to, to get enough out of it. Um, and, you know, some of these that we, that we released were always inspired by different other, other things in the culinary world, and this one being, being a, a dessert in particular. 
Um, so we do we do like to utilize uh, vanilla beans uh, and gram in this as well. And that's that's really that's kind of how we emulate that that shortbread type of character. Um, but yeah, of course, with strawberry really leading the way. Did you pull this off without lactose? It just occurred to me that this might not have lactose in it. It does not have lactose. Any Oops. any any beer we've ever released that has even a single ounce of lactose, we always put that uh, front and center on the label. Um, we we really prefer, uh, especially with these kettle sours, to to not use lactose. We like to, we like to let the other ingredients um, shine and and just go about it a different way. I didn't think we I got, could like them more than I do right now. I know. Yeah. As a <laughs> lactose intolerant guy, Brian right. is very happy right now. It's <laughs> a guy who plays it fast and loose with that. Oh. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, I cut you, you off. You, when you taste our beers and our, our stouts, uh, like you said, it, it tastes like we did take that um, adjunct and use it as a shortcut. But really, I think I can count on a couple fingers how many beers we've made with lactose in. Yeah, that's, I know some breweries live for it, you know, and that's no, and I don't mean that as a dig, you know, they do very well, but it's a very popular ingredient with some people. I right think now. some people have used the term for something else, but I'm going to use it right now. Uh, lactose seems like it's become the MSG of brewing. Like if you add lactose to just about anything, you can kind of make up for some shortcomings or fill in now, those I gaps. I thought that that new grape must See, stuff that's was what the I, MSG of brewing, yes, right? But I'm stealing that. Because, What's that called again? Uh, Is it, do you know what we're talking about here, Mike? That's Fan- it. Phantasm. I was going to ask yeah. them about that to see if okay. they've done that. Okay, well then that. let's talk yeah. about Phantasm. Because yeah, they were so. talking about a new IPA, I believe. Have you used that, Mike? Uh, we have used that a little bit. Um, now, I'm actually 100% in agreement. I think lactose is the MSG of... Okay, there you go. All right. Uh, but, but there are a lot of exciting developments um, involving Phantasm. We have used that a few times. We have some at the at the brewery for upcoming experiments. Very interesting uh, product. If you've if you've never uh, come across it before, um, it sounds exciting. It's got a it's got a great name. You can get great results out of it. Uh, but when you open up the package, it's a shiny package. Everything looks great, but it really comes out and it just kind of looks like the most boring um, ground. Is like a like a cat food or a pet food type Ooh, of thing. All it right, smell there you go. Really good. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's it's really all this these crushed up grape skins, um, but they still have the magic within them. And so, with the proper application, you can you can really create some dynamic, uh, aromatic, and flavor profiles in a beer. So it is actually some very cool stuff. Now, does the phantasm add its own flavor, or is it meant to enhance others? So a little a little bit of both of those okay. things, um, but you do. You really need to attack it the the right way um, because the, the power behind it is in its style um, components and in in certain beers there, there's different ways that you could brew with it that you really would just kind of be wasting your money but if you're intentional uh, about how you're constructing your recipe and your process then all of a sudden that's that's where it can do some good things. So I know that uh, I think for wine, some of the tannins they get come from those wine skins. So it, does it not contribute any kind of tannins to beers? It's you won't get um, you won't end up with the perception of oh this is, this is a wine barrel aged beer or, or or anything anything along those lines. It's it's actually a pretty complicated thing to to get into out out of all that. But the but the short the short answer is it, it won't 
come across as a as a wine like beer. Okay, all right. You know, that's that was what I wondered as well. I'm like, okay, is it just are you just adding a you know a wine character to it there? But uh, interesting. Yeah, it's fat. Uh, yeah. Crazy. I, and I if really, I didn't think we'd bore our listeners to death spending the rest of the show talking about the science of yeah, let's dig of into the chemistry of we, that, then we would talk more there. But yeah, I think uh, think most people probably uh, if there's thirst for knowledge, they can find it out. So there. With, with the uh, this kind of innovation, you're looking at innovation with hops. Have you done any kind of investigation of innovations with with malts, say for for the stout end of things? Because a lot of times people focus focus on what's happening with hops. I'm just curious if anything's going on there. In in malt, um, I think one of the areas that we that we find to be most compelling is the somewhat growing availability of laxless malt, and, and that's that's really cool because it, it, it starts to set breweries up for success um, in that it reduces um, available precursory compounds to be able to convert to more oxidated compounds. So uh, a simple simple way of talking about that is uh, it reduces the staling okay. type, of, type of flavor that you would get out of a beer because this type of malt does not, uh, it, it does not have the same uh, quantity of, of the precursory compounds. So um, we do think that that's pretty interesting. Um, but as much as there is a lot of fun with malt, uh, still hops. Um, there, there's just so many things to to talk about within hops. It's 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 definitely a it, it's a completely like a logarithmic different type of scale in terms of the the, the opportunities within hops versus malt. But it's always yeah. interesting to look yeah, at all of it point. because hops, malt, yeast. You know, each of them is going their own direction. One thing we've seen a lot. In various states, in various brewers we've talked to, but a lot more availability of local malts, like local malt houses and that. Do you have a local maltster in oh, Iowa? No, truthfully, you know, barley doesn't grow the best in Iowa. Barley likes a dry environment. Okay, gotcha. And, and you know, uh, we we have the humidity. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. It, what was the name of the, the malt again? I, I don't think I'd heard the term, you, uh, Mike. So oh, it, it's loxless malt. Loxless. O x l e s s. Okay. For future reference for myself you have to, to look Google into it, it. Brian. I am you going have to, to Google, Google it. it. Yeah, it's, I've learned something today, Tim. You know, Brian has talked malts, and and I imagine we could have spent a good portion of the show talking about this. But I'm going to make the jump, and we're going to talk some stouts here because you do have a couple, uh, a couple that are very well known, as we've talked about the Kentucky Brunch brand stout, uh, KBBS, and your Morning Delight are two that I think most most anybody who's who has earned the title of nerd or geek behind beer yes probably know. knows about yes. but that's uh been rated as the number one beer in the world you know what see nate tells me right as i get into this we're going to touch the surface right now mike and then we'll dive in more <laughs> as we get a into teaser it there but uh uh what do you do where do you start going after a big beer like this where do you start with your process so for a, for a huge beer like this, the beginning is always at the end. So you need to think of what you want to put out in front of, of what, in front of people, the experience you want to provide them, and you reverse engineer based off of that. That makes sense, which is a good yes. philosophy for many things. See what your goal is and then go 
you know, back into kind it. Kind of map there. the steps to it from from uh, that point yeah. to where to where you're at. I guess. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, have the goal in mind. Well, you know what? We've pushed it right up to the wall here in this segment. We're going to come back and we're going to dive into these stats a little bit more. So you're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show, and we will be right back with more from Toppling Goliath. Cobb County, Georgia is home to 19 great breweries, distilleries, meateries, cideries, and wineries. This March, Cobb Travel and Tourism brings you Bubbles and Brews Craft Beverage Month. Visit participating locations and get your brew pass stamp, sample unique brews, and win sweet prizes all month long. Make sure to get double stamps on Bubbles and Brews event nights and vote online for your favorite brews. Celebrate with Cobb's best craft beverage makers throughout the month of March. Get more info now at bubblesandbrews.com. It's great to see our community coming back to life. The cold weather is fading away, and it's time to enjoy the greatest patio in Kennesaw. Join us at The Nest and spend some time with family, have a beer with a neighbor, or simply celebrate the end of another day. Make a reservation at thenestkennesaw.com for Sunday brunch and enjoy an overloaded Bloody Mary. At The Nest, you'll find smiling faces, great barbecue, and 48 taps of local craft beverages. Don't forget, our outdoor space is perfect for your four-legged best friend. We look forward to seeing you soon at The Nest. Follow the Beer Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Now, back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash beerguys. Patrons get cool perks like Beer Guys swag and commercial-free episodes. Now let's get back to Toppling Goliath Brewing Company. Mike, when we took a break there, we uh, had teased that we were going to talk KBBS. So we're going to dive into it. We're actually going to start with a listener question here. Uh, Patrick Doyle, thanks for the question. He says he would love to hear about the thought process going from just a stout to something like KBBS. And he wants to know, do you have any love for standard stouts? And if so, which are your favorites? Yeah, we definitely still have have love for standard stouts. I mean, you want to hop in on that part first? Yeah, I'm dying to have us brew our standard stout rover truck again. That's just fantastic. You know, for, for me, a stout is very refreshing, a low ABV stout. You know, we, we, we make our big stouts and they're perfect for bottle shares and sitting around with the brew. But for me, summer or winter, I, I just love to grab a stout, you know, and, and having a big multi body, it actually makes me think of one of my favorite porters that I love to have. It's, it's shake from Boulder. Oh Boulder. yeah. Okay. Oh yes. Yeah. I'm, now I'm thirsty for one right now. I actually had a, had a stout today. We were making a beer in Ozark, um, an Ozark beer company. And I had their Onyx coffee stout really nice. Just under six percent, super refreshing. Got that nice coffee flavor, really roasty and rich. Love it. That's it, Clark. You mentioned where it's at Ozark Brewing Company. You just did your collaboration with, correct? Yes, Ozark Beer Company. Ozark Beer Company. We talked to Fossil Cove Brewing over there in Arkansas a okay. month ago, maybe. About, I didn't yeah. realize. My dad lives in Northeast Arkansas, but where he is, there's nothing. So when I do travel to Arkansas. I hear that there's great beer there, but I just don't run into it in the areas that I'm in. But, you know, we got to talk into Fossil Cove and really they're in Fayetteville, which yes. I think is the cool town there, you know, for, right. for Arkansas. Yep. And uh, they were telling us that it's, they're on a come up over there. It's a, it's a good beer scene over here. We're, we're in northwest Arkansas, so there, there's a good beer scene. 
Good stuff, man. I have to see. I'll have to venture out a little bit when I go over to see my dad again. See what's out there. So, Mike, back to you on that. On kind of transitioning, how do you decide to to go full bore with something like KBBS or Assassin or something like that? Yeah. So for for those beers, it's it's really a, a lengthy process. We have our our panel of barrel tasters that that join in on on this entire process with us. And so, an easy way to talk about it would be. We brew morning into the light, which that is that is a our non barrel aged version in a way, um, and and we'll we'll fill up some barrels that we intend to become a component of Kentucky Brunch. But it, but even that said, uh, while while the base for Kentucky Brunch can have the same type of grain or ingredient recipe processes are are tweaked in accordance with what we want to have come out uh, at the at the end of the day at the end of eighteen to twenty four months out of barrels. And we'll end up filling quite a few barrels that they just won't necessarily make the cut. You know, we, we have we have basically in the neighborhood of 700 barrels of beer that's, that's aging in our barrel room. Uh, we sample every single one of those multiple times. Everybody in our barrel panel samples all those multiple times. And, and out of that, we start to shake hands with those barrels and determine when they're ready uh, a little bit closer to maturity or when they are. Then we start to mindfully blend those. Uh, together and we start to tank some of those things and then we really start to focus in on component and percentage blends and that's really how we tie some of those those beers together so um you know there, there's always a question well how much kentucky brunch do you make every year do you make it every year uh all those things um nowadays we do release it every year but the volume is still to this day variable uh we have a good idea of what we're going to be able to put out but that volume is always inherently going to flow up or down a little bit, just depending on uh, what those barrels are saying to us. Um, so it's very much a distiller's selection approach. Okay. And that's, that's how we tie together Kentucky brunch. And, that, and that's, that's how we start to put together some of our, some of our other things. We, we have to mindfully blend those barrels together uh, based off of, the results we want to achieve. I think you answered the question already, but so you're not just brewing one stout, you're actually brewing a variety of different stouts to achieve that end goal. Yeah, it's, it's lineages. So you, you could, you could think about it as the trunk of a tree could be basically the majority of the grains that have similarities in a bunch of different stouts that we do. Now that said, we do change some of those. So that's where it starts to branch off a little bit, but then there's also different branches that have to do uh, do with process, um, and the process starts to get into bitterness components. Um, really, in, any anything and everything that you that you could imagine when it has to do with brewing. It, first, first running, second runnings, all those important variables. Um, that's where we start to tie those things together. We we send those off on their way, and once they start to reach maturity and they have uh, some of the components we're looking for, then that's when we start to tie everything back together. Do you employ the same kind of blending process that you're doing here to all of your other stouts, or is this is this process really reserved for this one, yeah, you know, kind of holy grail of beer? Is that it's all of our stouts? Okay. It, it's all okay. of them. Um, so you you can imagine when we're putting together when we're starting to finalize the blend of what will be Kentucky Brunch for this year. Well, there's going to be some surplus volume because we won't use the entirety of everything that we have pre-selected for it because it might not make the beer quite what we want it to. And the question then is, well, what do you do with that beer? Um, 
because it's certainly not bad beer. It's, it's in, it's in the final, the final runnings for Kentucky brunch at that point. Um, but it just doesn't make sense to be in there. So we have to, we have to set it aside. And once we get done with Kentucky brunch, then we have to start blending other things together. Uh, sometimes, sometimes we can create a, a new beer or we can, we can funnel it uh, into one of our other projects. Um, but again, it still has to make sense. So we have to, we have to take some of that surplus volume and mindfully blend it with, with other volume that we have available that makes sense uh, to go with it. You know what Mike said is spot on, especially just because a barrel doesn't get selected for Kentucky brunch doesn't mean it's not excellent. And one of the funnest projects I like to see the brewers work on is called our turmoil project. So with that, the brewers are free to really have fun with some different adjuncts. You know, for instance, we did a s'mores turmoil. We did a fluffer nutter, a monster cookie. And it's, it's where the brewers really get to add creativity to some of these barrels that maybe have a characteristic that's so chocolatey, it's just unbelievable, you know. And that's, uh, I, I think that's really fun to have that and have that great barrel-aged beer that is fantastic. It just doesn't, doesn't flow between the yellow lines of either Assassin or Kentucky Brunch. Makes sense. And yeah. I want you to know, for your Turmoil series, I did just take some of your Strawberry Shortcake Fandango and I poured it into my Iron Hill Resist anti-imperial stout, yeah. and, and that's pretty magical, guys. I'm going to say that that strawberry shortcake with that big imperial stout, quite that's, the cuvee. that's good stuff. I'm going to try some the of cuvee. that out. It's yeah. quite good, quite good. You know, we want to move on and talk about a couple of the causes you guys support, but quick question, and again, this is a topic that gets discussed on the Internet a lot. At your release, uh, a single 12-ounce bottle of KBBS is $100. Is that correct? Yes. And on the secondary market, these things, Brian, you made a note here. You found a 2014 for up to $1,300, up to $1,300. Any thoughts on the secondary market just in general or specifically on your beer? Well, I'll throw my thoughts out there first. You know, um, whether, whether you like that environment or not, it exists. So our main goal is to get that, that product into a worthy, deserving beer fan. Right. You know, so it so so it, it is it is a little bit saddening to see that you know people want to want to take it just to make a profit. Um, I get it, I get it. I don't like it, but also you know once the beer leaves our brewery, you know it's 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 gone. It's no, gone. Nothing you right. can do. About nothing it. you can yeah. do from there, huh? Nope. So it, so if, if people want to do that, great. I always say to really approach that with caution because depending on how a beer is stored, how it's shipped. The integrity of the beer can be much different than the way it was when we when we released it. So, you know, I always advise people to steer clear on that. Even though Mike and I, you know, we we like to get beers also. Sure, I know we're all beer guys here. We know how that goes. I've been there. I've I've paid too much for a bottle of beer because that's what I well. wanted. Yeah, guys, I do apologize. We ran out of time. We wanted to talk about some of the causes you support, but you are very community involved. You said you support a lot of watershed efforts. And there is, Brian, what's the name of the charity that you had here in the notes? The that- Seed Savers Exchange, which sounded interesting. It, it was about American heritage, like produce and yeah. fruits and okay. vegetables, which so is intriguing to me. We would inc- yeah. encourage everyone to look those up and see what they're all about and yep. know that your friends at Toppling Goliath support that cause. Mike Clark, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. While you're on the road to join us, we greatly appreciate it. 
Absolutely. You guys were fantastic to talk to. Thank you. Uh, let, let, let's do it again, and we'll make sure that you guys can raid a Kentucky brunch on air. Oh, that sounds like a plan. We'll that schedule that deal. right now. Yeah. That's a deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, that about wraps it up for this episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show. Join us next week as we're talking little beers from Little Beer Fest. We are Beer Guys Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so follow us for more craft beer info. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great week, and don't forget to drink local. Cheers. Cheers.